Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope it's still a happy new year for you, uh, or let's just say joy-filled year, because happiness can often depend on our circumstances. But we got a great show for you today, a lot of articles to cover, and we're hoping to connect with former transgender Laura Perry, who has been on the podcast many times before. And if we don't, we'll go through some articles we were going to go over with her. But her book is called Transgender to Transformed. It's an amazing story of her heart-wrenching journey. And um, thank God, praise God, she came to Christ and came back to the truth. But I also want to mention some very good news this morning out of the Supreme Court. They ended the vaccine mandates for U.S. businesses. It was a huge blow to the O'Biden administration as the Supreme Court responded to his COVID overreach the way most Americans hoped they would by striking down the largest of his vaccine mandates by a vote of six to three. The Supreme Court justices agreed that the president had zero authority to demand that employers of 100 or more employees be vaccinated or bear the weight of routine testing or even losing their jobs. So this is a rebuke to the White House and their, quote, COVID strategy. Remember when he was campaigning for president, he was criticizing Donald Trump and he he said Donald Trump doesn't have a plan. What was Biden's plan? Medical tyranny, COVID overreach and big government power control. And we've seen that in the country over the last year and a half. Um, Well, so that's some good news. And I'll post that article today if you want to share it. It's from Harbinger's Daily. Actually, Tony Perkins at uh, Family Research Council. But I typically go to Harbinger's Daily almost every day uh, to check for news. Um, What else do we have? Okay, before we get into the other articles, I just want to mention um, there's a very important verse I want to share with you, and that would be the gospel to just give us a foundation so when we talk about all that's going on around the world, in our country, in our government schools, in the, the godless media and Hollywood and everything else we discuss and how Christians should respond, I want you to be reminded what we are here for. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 says, According to the scriptures, and, oh, okay, and that Jesus was buried and that he rose again, the third day, according to the scriptures. Um, And then I want to read Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And verse 12, catch this, friends, Acts 4, verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And then it says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were educated, I'm sorry, uneducated, And untrained men, they were amazed. And then they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. So that's our foundation for today as we uh, are about to get into all kinds of uh, news and stories and issues, particularly on the uh, sexual revolution in America. And we've got our guest online. It's Laura Perry. She's been with us several times And her book, again, Transgender to Transform. She's an author, speaker, and she hopes to encourage others uh, to avoid being or believing the same lies that she once did and making the same mistakes because she went through a painful past and, quote, 
transition. And uh, she now knows she is and was created by God in God's image and not in her own image. But Laura Perry, First Stone Ministries, thank you so much for coming back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, so uh, we're, we are too, because this is an important issue. There's a lot of articles we want to touch on, and I will uh, get to these after we get an update on your ministry. But uh, a couple articles just to give our audience a little heads up of where we're going. New article by Ken Ham. Is it fair to allow men to compete in women's sports? Another article over at American Family Association confronting the ideology of the Revoice movement. And uh, another headline, Drag Queen Story Hour for Children Comes to Church. That's not a joke. Some churches are doing this. We'll talk about that. And some pastors, actually. Um, I I have to put pastors in quotes when you talk about pastors that are drag. Um, Also, Mission America, Linda Harvey, has got an article called When Surveys Become Propaganda. And the surveys she's referring to are SEL, Social Emotional Learning, that have to do with sexuality and not education. And then there's a Satanist club uh, for elementary kids now uh, coming to schools. And finally... Actually, not finally, because there's a lot more, but we've got to cut it off somewhere. Um, A watchdog over at CBN.com is warning that the Biden administration is looking to create a database of those Americans who asked for religious exemption. So some concerning stories. Actually, one more. I lied. China upheld a seven-year prison sentence for a Christian selling Bibles and Christian books. So let us be reminded that we are still the, the freest and most exceptional country, I believe, in the world. I did not say perfect. I did not say the greatest. I said exceptional and the most free. Um, Laura Perry, um, we haven't talked in quite some time, so please just give us an update on what you've been doing with First Stone Ministries. I'm sure you're speaking at churches. Any new uh, projects coming out? Uh, like in uh, what, what was the one you did uh, just, I think it was about a year ago, uh, In His Image? Yeah, in this image was actually uh, my director and I, um, Stephen Black. We we just got to be interviewed for that, but really it was a, a project from the American Family Studios, which is um, part of the American Family Association, and they really just did an outstanding job. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's called In His Image. It's free at InHisImage.movie, and they have a lot of additional resources there as well. Um, but yes, that has given us a lot of opportunity. God has opened so many doors because of that movie to go and share all over the country, and uh, sometimes we'll give conferences or speak or just share testimonies, and other times they'll screen the movie at the church, and then we have the opportunity to come and do a Q&A or um, things like that. So it's really opened up so many doors, and we're so grateful because churches are finally, for a long time, churches were not talking about these issues, and finally I think the churches are being forced to deal with it, and we're getting so much more response. Can you share a little bit about what your perception is regarding why many churches did not want to touch this issue or have the movie brought in or even um, maybe have you guys talk about it? I think, uh, well, it may be different for different churches. I think for some, what I think what the Lord began to show me when I was praying is that there was um, a lot of fear for one, you know, churches didn't want to be labeled as as hateful or something like that. But, you know, I think we have a, an idolatry sometimes of wanting to be loved by the world. Jesus said we'd be hated by the world. You know, and there's a way that we can share truth and love that's not always going to get a good response from everybody. Um, but it, but it's still the loving thing to do. And when we share that in love, there are going to be people that are going to respond. But, um, but I think for some of them, they just, some of them didn't know how to deal with it. A lot of them, it was just such a foreign thing that they just hoped it would stay outside the church Hmm. until it started affecting so many kids that had grown up in the church, and all of a sudden they had all these families that were dealing with it. Isn't that interesting? Your first response was, uh, you know, churches don't want to be known as hateful. And I'm thinking, well, what did Jesus say about uh, hate? And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. They hated me first. 
Um, right, and, he promised it. Yep, and he also said, and I believe in First John four. I'm sorry, First John chapter two. Do not love this world or the things in the world. If anyone loves right. the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he also said he did not come to unite necessarily, but bring division or bring. I think he mm-hmm. used the word peace, but division. And he came to divide families, not purposely, but he knew that right. spiritually. Families would not agree on who he is and was, and so he warned people, hey, families will be divided. Get ready for those that you love to disagree with you about the most important thing, and that is salvation through Christ alone. Uh, Lori, so I'm Laura, have you been speaking at churches recently, and what, what have you been working on in the recent months? Yeah, I've had a little bit of time off over December. It's a little bit slower time. Um, but yeah, through a lot of the fall, we were at quite a few different churches and conferences, um, and we're getting ready to do quite a bit this next spring. And as far as projects, we're, um, that's been a lot of our, our focus lately is a lot of travel and a lot of speaking, um, which, which I really enjoy, but also doing some additional writing. Um, and I'm working on just putting some together some videos. I'm hoping on, eventually on my YouTube channel have some Q&A videos, just some little short videos that are going to answer some of these questions. That's awesome. I mean, I, a lot of people do like Q&As on different topics, of biblical topics mm-hmm. or apologetics. That would be great for you to have uh, that kind of video out there, very educational for a lot of people who really don't understand. And maybe this is my next question, because we've talked with you about this early on, but we have a lot of new listeners now uh, from the time you were first on the podcast. So... Uh, how do people uh, who first come to try to understand this, it's it's a deception and it's a delusion, and we know what the Bible teaches, and we also know what science and biology and DNA teaches, mm-hmm. but we don't understand. A lot of people still don't understand when they're first coming to see this, really we're being bombarded as a culture with this ideology that says there either there is no God or if there is a God, he did not create us, male and female, only, you know, binary, only two genders. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of confusion as to how people start believing this and how we can respond. Well, first of all, on any issue, um, we have to believe the Word of God. And like, do we believe it or not? And there's a verse in, I think it's Isaiah, that says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. It's still just as relevant today as it was then, and it's going to speak to every issue that we are dealing with. But but also, as I've started studying male and female, it is so clear that God made us binary as male and female. There are over 6,500 differences between men and women biologically, and that's only what scientists know of. I mean, God knows far more than we ever will. You know, I'm sure there's things we'll never discover. But when I when I started studying this, um, every part of the male and the female body is created for their specific roles that God has given us. The entire female body, every part of the body, is designed to foster and uh, to create and foster and nurture life. Um, it's all about the the baby and um, and also um, being a complement to the husband. There's um, and so the man is like even the hearing, the sight, uh, the different parts of the body. You were talking about girls athletics earlier. Well, one of the reasons is because the entire male body is designed differently. So even if they have less testosterone, um, their, their shoulders are broader, their muscles are stronger. They, they're actually made of a, a little bit of a different composition. They have more of the um, type two fast twitch fibers, which means they're able to have a more explosive power uh, than women are. Um, women are better at flexibility and some different things. But um, if you take the in fact, some some of them are actually quite far apart. The uh, one of the greatest measures is grip strength, and yes. they said that the uh, the top ten percent of females can only beat the bottom ten percent of males. Wow, there's a huge difference in grip strength. So, Laura, was God unfair when He designed us that way? No, absolutely not. When you start looking, because <laughs> like, I used to really hate the idea of being female, and I really felt like I was so. Um, inferior to men, and I had so many wounds, and I had just been, I had been treated um, as so much less valuable by men, and I think this is why women hate being women, and I think I, there's so much brokenness between the genders, mm. you know, that's part of yes. the, the curse of the fall, but when when you start looking at how God designed 
women and the beauty of the compliment and how he made he just for a quick example he made man with this um deep desire um that just drives him to protect and women have a desire to be protected and you know because of brokenness sometimes if women haven't been protected they kind of wall themselves off and they won't let men protect them mm. but naturally women have a desperate desire to be protected yes um, we are going to get to a couple of those articles I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but I want to transition. You mentioned brokenness, and I remember mm-hmm. a very impactful article you shared back in, gosh, it's, it's a couple, several weeks ago, um, what I've learned rescuing my daughter from her transgender fantasy. And you, I mean, you, you laid out this explanation on your Facebook page about the article and, and your recommendations in reading it, but you said also you cautioned those to remember that we are not our children's savior. There's no formula or guarantee that these similar steps will, quote, fix a child. Can you talk to maybe parents right now who are trying to figure out what they can do with their confused teen or younger, male or female, thinking they're the opposite gender? Yeah, one of the most important things is is prayer, and I just can't emphasize that enough. And I think sometimes we look at prayer as our last resort, but (laughs) Jesus Christ is the only one that is going to fix these children because He's their Creator. Mm. Now they can, um, they may. There are some that are coming out of transgenderism. There are thousands and thousands of kids that are detransitioning. Or if somebody's not familiar with that word, that means they were transitioning and then they've stopped and they're going back to their original gender. But if they're detransitioning without those wounds being healed that have caused it in the first place, they're just going into lots of other things. They're still trying to fill their life with uh, many of them are becoming lesbians. Uh, some of them are turning to drugs and alcohol. So the solution is not a lack of transgenderism. The solution is Jesus Christ he, um, to heal them. And so it's the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart that they need. We can't give someone our faith. We can't give them um our relationship with Christ, that can only, God has to draw them. In fact, Jesus said, if um, no one can come to me unless the Father first draws them. Mm. So prayer is so critical, but not only for them, but also for you. I think what my mom discovered most importantly is that she couldn't fix me, and she had to fully surrender me into the Lord's hands. And as she did, she just started to work on her own relationship with the Lord, and He began to transform her. And, you know, it was like she got so filled with Christ that he was just spilling out of her. And she was so transformed that I, God began to open my eyes to how much she had changed. And when I really saw that, it was like I knew the gospel was true. Um, so it's, it's the work that Christ does in us is what's a testimony to others. And then he will mm-hmm. give us the words and the things that he wants us to do to, to be sort of his hands and feet. And, um, but but we'll never solve any problem in this life by by just looking at the problem. If our eyes are on Jesus, He will give mm. us a solution. Amen. Amen. We're speaking with Laura Perry, and her website is, is it lauraperry.com or transgendertotransformed.com? Yes, the second one. It's um, transgendertotransformed.com, and uh, my book is the same title, and you can order that on the website if you'd like. And we'll link to that at the blog, standupforthetruth.com today. I want to finish your quote in that article that you shared, and then we'll talk about some other things. We've only got two minutes left in this segment. But you say to the parents, never lose sight of the real goal, which is for them, their children, to glorify God. The road that they might, uh, the, the, road, the road to that might not always look like you imagined it would, but God is playing the long game, you say. He already knows what your child is, has to go through in order that they will be humbled. Um, and that's a very important point. So it's, it's what's best for the children, not what we think is best, right? So um, right. W- when we come back, since we only have a minute, Laura, uh, we've, we're going to talk about that article with Ken Ham uh, writing a little bit about this. And this, this new, I, I don't even want to call it a fad, but, but me- biological males, men, boys are beating girls in sports whether it's swimming, whether it's track, even some, you know, boxing or other things, which is crazy when you think of it, when you just talked about what you did as far as the difference in strength and genetics. We're thinking, wow, (laughs) women are not being treated fairly. Girls are not being treated fairly. And where's the, what what was that women's movement? I forget what it's called now, but there was a big women's movement several years ago. And you're thinking, where's their voice? Why aren't they speaking up? We've got more with Laura Perry when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. 
We'll also talk about the ideology, about the dangerous revoice movement uh, that talks, it's, I guess it, uh, it accepts gay Christians. But more on that when we come back in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're with Laura Perry today. The book is Transgendered to Transformed, and we've got the link at StandUpForTheTruth.com, or you can go right to her website. And, okay, Laura, a personal item. Uh, you've been dating for a little while. You posted a Merry Christmas picture <laughs> with mm-hmm. you, you and Perry Smaltz. Uh, tell us a little bit uh-huh. about that story real quick. <laughs> well, it's kind, of, it's kind of a long story. You know, and this is one thing I, I want to encourage um, women to, to really wait on the, or men, to, to really wait on the one that God has for you. I'm telling mm. you, I'm so blown away by um, the good complimentary fit that God has brought. He's an amazing man, and I'm, I'm so incredibly happy. He's, um, he's a bivocational music minister, so it's fun. We're both in ministry, and um, yeah, he's, but it's funny that his first name is my last name. So we get a lot of jokes and it's made it a lot of fun. <laughs> That's fun. You know, and, and for those, uh, when you have to sign forms and put your last name first, that could be kind of confusing with you two, maybe. Right. Um, but anyway, well, well, praise God. I know you've been on such a journey and God has yeah. brought you through, I don't want to say hell because what any of us experience on earth, when we say we're going through hell on earth, not even close, but Nonetheless, nonetheless, it was a heart-wrenching and uh, just what an emotional roller coaster in your, you know, transitioning, then detransitioning, and then your journey to God, with God, and now uh, just being whole in Christ and being able to share your story is so powerful now. And so I just praise God for what he's doing through you, Laura. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, and what amazes me, too, is just the redemption mm. in my life. You know, when I when I came out of the lifestyle, I honestly never thought that I, I would feel like a girl again. I didn't think I'd ever look like a girl again. And just, you know, thinking that God might bring a man into my life was just so far beyond my expectations. Wow. And I'm amazed by this man who's never struggled with this kind of issue and really loves me and accepts mm. me the way I am, even after, you know, having the breasts and the female organs removed and yet Mm. Um, I'm just so amazed by God's redemption of mm. it all. Well, I'm going to connect with him, too. It would be great to just keep in touch with both of you guys and just continue to, yeah. to watch your journey. Um, you're in, you're both in Oklahoma, correct? Yes. Yeah, love that place. I was there for a, a conference uh, last year. Anyway, back to this article from Ken Ham. Answer the question, and I'll I'll share. You know, in fact, I'll just read it, and I'll let you respond. Is it fair to allow men to compete in women's sports? Ken Ham, uh, CEO, Answers in Genesis, says, We are increasingly seeing news of men dominating women's sports. These men identify as women and then compete against women, often crushing the competition and breaking previous records. It's just one example of the war on women that is the gender revolution. Sadly, the the current U.S. administration's policy on this whole matter is as anti-science as it can get, and it goes against God's created order and thus is also anti-women. Laura Perry, your thoughts on on boys or men competing with women and girls? Yeah, it's amazing how they are so pro-science until it doesn't fit their agenda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but it, it's completely unfair, and in, and in some sports it's just unfair, and in some it's extremely dangerous. There was a an MMA boxer um, several years ago that was a, a man that was identifying as a woman mm. and he competed against another female and she was a tough female that had won a lot and he beat her so badly. She ended up in the hospital. He cracked her skull. Ooh. I mean, this is, this is not something to play around with. These no. men can really hurt these women. So we're being, um, you know, they're being paid basically to, to beat and abuse another woman. Well, I know Oklahoma probably doesn't have the issues that other states do, but uh, Ken points to this is almost it's not really a state issue, but a lot of states either have to agree with the Biden administration or disagree. Over in South Dakota, Christy Noam, the governor there, says there are very physical differences between males and females, biological differences. We here in South Dakota will protect that right for boys to play in boys' sports and girls to play in girls' sports. If are are you familiar with if other governors don't do the same thing, 
uh, I, I can just imagine this spreading to more and more um, high schools in different states. Is, is, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I, I think it will. I think it is already, and there's a big move toward that. Um, but it, it is just a completely unfair advantage, but not just unfair, but then you also have the issue of these kids going into each other's locker rooms of the opposite sex. And, That's right. Um, there's just a lot of potential problems. But um, it, the, these boys that are identifying as girls are just blowing the girls out of the water, like the two track stars that I know have gotten a lot of attention, I think out of Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they're just completely dominating and girls are, and it's not just for those individual meets. It's one thing to be disappointed that you can't win, but then you also have to consider they're losing scholarships because of it. Mm, that's true. Um, it can affect the rest of their life. Absolutely. And imagine. So we need more people to continue to keep an eye on what's happening at their own school board meetings and in their public schools, whether that be curriculum or surveys, as we'll talk about in a minute, hopefully, um, something that Linda Harvey at Mission America put out there, the propaganda there. I mean, this has been going on for decades in public schools, and just now it seems a little too late, but maybe you can still make a difference at the local level. But Ken Ham pointed to an interesting verse I forgot about, Laura. He said, once the natural order of things has been corrupted by man, man on his own can't repair things. He said he designed Mm -hmm. men and women to be different, yet created equally in his image, and it is a very good design. And Ecclesiastes 1.15 says, that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered, which is fascinating, meaning once we you know, mess things up to a point of being crooked, it cannot be made straight again because we are trying to really mess with with God's design here. And mm-hmm. Ken Ham ends the article, and you can comment on this, Laura. He says, what we need is a return to the authority of God's Word, beginning in Genesis. Then he goes on. Amen. Yeah, um, it reminds me of there's a, you know, only God can fix us. You're absolutely right. And we can, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And um, But I'm also reminded of um, Isaiah 29:16 that says, Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. Mm. For shall the thing that is made say of him that made it, you made me not? Or shall the thing that is framed say of him that framed it, you had no understanding? And really, we have, um, there's, we try to understand ourselves through our own human understanding, but we can only get true understanding of who we are through God and through His Word and what He says about us. Because mm. we're looking through this this brokenness that we have and this corruption that we have because of the fall. But only God knows who we truly are and how we're created to be. And science is finally catching up with the fact that we're different at the cellular level. Yes, Our, our sex chromosomes are in every cell of our body. Exactly. And what's, I love that verse in Isaiah, and I just, when you read it, I, I, we have a very different understanding, or I should say appreciation of that verse now, it's like the mm-hmm. clay saying to the potter, why did you make me this way? And you, by the way, you talk <laughs> about that when you were going through your, you, you said when, I think when you were a teenager, a, a lot of kids, they just kind of are, are trying to figure out who they are and they, they don't like something about themselves or they compare themselves to other people who are in their eyes perfect or have it all together. Mm-hmm. And they have a self-hatred. But that has nothing to do with who God designed them to be. That's just what they're living with, what their peers, and, and they start hating themselves. So they want something, they want to change. And this, they seem to come to the conclusion that transgenderism, that going down that road is the change that might make them happy. I, I know you have a right. lot of thoughts on that. Yeah, it, it goes back to, um, there's a reason the Bible talks, you know, people will say, the Bible doesn't really say anything about transgenderism. Well, one, there is a verse in Deuteronomy that says, a man shall not wear that which pertains to a woman, neither shall a woman put on, or sorry, I got them backward. A woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's gar- garment. All that do so are an abomination mm-hmm. to the Lord. Now, but the Bible talks so much about this issue. Yes. And one major thing is it talks a lot about covetousness. In fact, there's several passages that says covetousness is idolatry. And um, it's really the, the ultimate sin of, um, not that this is worse than all the other, I'm just saying, but it's it's such a slap in God's face to say, I know better than you did. Um and to say, um, you know, you made me wrong, or you made a mistake, or whatever. So um, it's it's the opposite of trusting in what God has created. Amen. Amen, it is. It's, uh, it's like he said, Ken Ham said, man's word over God's word. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, Laura, let's talk about what they're doing in public schools. And I don't know if you can remember. I mean, I've been out of school a long time. Uh, you've been out of school for a little bit, but maybe you remember some of the things you were asked or some of the things in biology or science or health class. But Linda Harvey put out an article at MissionAmerica.com, When Surveys Become Propaganda, and she said mm-hmm. the latest insidious method is, quote, social-emotional learning. It's S-E-L. And she says they serve no valid educational purpose, yet the stories are piling up about invasive, explicit Quote, woke survey instruments being inflicted on K through 12 public schools. They are tools of manipulation. Parents are being fed up with inappropriate quizzing of children about their attitudes, gender identities, sex practices and home lives in public Mm -hmm. schools now. And she lists several examples. And I'll just get your your thoughts on this um, and what parents can do. Sixth graders in Massachusetts were asked uh, in a survey if they had engaged in oral sex once in the past year. In Las Vegas, students, wow. were, were, students were surveyed about how warm or cold they felt about white people. Uh, there are only a few reasons <laughs> teachers choose to survey students. One is to normalize certain behaviors like cross-gender identities. And so the survey instrument becomes a propaganda tool. Another fourth-grade class or, or in, in one uh, school uh, do you feel like a boy or a girl? So they were asked this mm. on a survey, fourth graders. Or consider this question. Now, this is the CDC, Youth Risk Behavior Survey in high school. How many sex partners have you had? Um, let's see. Then go on. Let's A couple other ones here. Uh, another in Ohio, and I'll let you, finally let you respond, Laura. In Ohio, which of the following best describes your sexual orientation? Straight, heterosexual, gay or lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, asexual, or questioning my sexual orientation. Laura, this is, this is not new. It's been happening for a long time, mm-hmm. but now they're finding new ways under this SEL, social-emotional learning, to now try to get information. What does this have to do with education? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with education. Exactly. It has to do with their agenda. Um, but I'm just thinking, you know, it introduces ideas that weren't there before. If you take a young child who's not questioning their gender and you ask them if they feel more like a boy or a girl, they're naturally, they don't really understand what a boy or a girl is. They haven't been given the information. I mean, there's so much that um, we could spend hours talking about the things I've learned about the differences between men and women and how differently God created us. But to a child who doesn't understand that, they don't have any external information to make that decision. All they can do is compare themselves to other boys and girls. Mm. So if you have a boy that's kind of artistic and maybe sensitive, he's going to look at his older brother that's this uber-masculine um you know, football player or whatever, and he's, and then maybe his sister's a little more artistic or something, and he may say, well, I'm more like my sister. Um, and I think this happens a lot, actually. I think mm. it's one of the major reasons that um, kids start trying um, transgender or some of these other identities, because there's they, they're always comparing themselves to others, and they want to be something greater than they are. But I, I think the <clears throat> crux of all of this really is they, there's this desperate desire to be something that you're not, um, to be something greater than you are. And this goes back to the fact that the Bible says that we need to be born again. Yes. Yes, and there is only one way to God, Jesus, one name by which we can be saved. We're with Laura Perry. Laura Perry's website is Transgender to Transformed. And uh, by the way, we're going to also link to In His Image, that movie we really encourage you to watch. We've got uh, less than five minutes now. Um, let's, let's go over to the, um, you know, wait a minute. Was I going to ask, ask you something about this survey? Uh, no, it was about target bathrooms. Never mind. We'll skip that. Uh, the bathroom policies that I think started around 2017 when corporations were changing their public restroom policy and just the, this is our culture today, but let's talk mm-hmm. about this revoice movement. Uh, Laura, I think we talked about it once before with you. They haven't gone away, uh, and this article right. says it's a little leaven. There seems to be no issue more controversial than that of sexuality. Wrong views about sex and sinful surrendering to cultural norms are two powerful weapons Satan uses to attack people and undermine the church's witness. 
So uh, we forget this verse, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness Mm -hmm. or what fellowship has light with darkness. But this group, the Revoice Movement, is a group apparently of same-sex attracted Christians who want to see the church adjust its approach to homosexuality in light of secular psychology, sociology, and LGBTQ experience, but they claim to be orthodox. What, what do you know about this group, Laura? Well, you know, they, uh, they, they claim to be celibate, and uh, there are probably some that are. I know some that have struggled with um, homosexuality and same-sex attraction that are genuinely trying to live for God, but a lot of these people, um, there's a lot of gray areas. There was one... Uh, named Eve Tushnet, which I they most of the audio was not released from this conference, and I don't know if you remember, but um, a couple of friends of my, well, my director Stephen Black and a friend of his tried to go to the conference, and they found out who they were, and they refunded their money and said you cannot come. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so we just got a couple of small clips, but one of them I heard was Eve Tushnet. She was a lesbian Catholic, and she was being extremely over dramatic about this celibate issue. And she said, we try to be celibate. And I don't remember what all she said, but she finally said with the fidelity of David, in other words, like, you know, he had an affair. And so, um, like, it's okay if you slip up. That was kind of the, there was a real mocking, um, spirit that we kind of heard. And of course we couldn't hear the entire conference, but I know for, um, for there's a major problem in identifying as um, something that God says is an abomination to Him. And that's for any sexual sin, not just homosexuality. That's right. Um, but that's to right. say, this is who you are. There's a major difference between that um, and, and, and slipping up. And so that part of the, it's rooted in unbelief, and it's rooted in a lie of the enemy that this is who you are and you were created this way, and it's, it's, a, it's an unbelief in what God created. Amen. And it's a lack of trust in him that he can bring healing to those areas. And orientation, as Stephen, my boss, points out, that um, orientation just means the direction you're going. You know? Yes. And it's, it's maybe not as easy as turning around, because those feelings and those desires are real. And a lot of times they've been caused by um, things that have happened in your life, ideas that were introduced as a young child, molestation or abuse, or um, sometimes just emotional trauma, sometimes jealousy of others. There can be a whole host of different things, mm. but God can bring healing to those areas, you know, and we don't, there's no guarantee of total eradication. We may struggle with things till the day we die. There's all kinds of temptations we have in struggles. That's right. But, um, but there's real healing out there, and people can find a lot of freedom from those labels and from that identity. And just one other thing, um, <clears throat> Dr. Everett Piper, um, I don't know if you've ever had him on, but he had a big influence on my life. And he says that, you know, we can't hyphenate our Christianity. We can't be, um, we wouldn't identify as anything else. We wouldn't be drunk Christians or fornicating Christians or um, porn addicted Christians or, but somehow we're trying to make it okay that we can be gay Christians. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point people, we, if you have anyone in the Oklahoma area or if you're willing to travel, we are at First Stone <clears throat> are having a conference called, God, uh, called God's Voice. It's a response to Revoice, and you can get more info on that at godsvoice.us. Oh, that's phenomenal, godsvoice.us. Yeah. And when is that conference? Uh, oh, a couple months from now. <laughs> <laughs> She's checking her calendar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also want to mention while you're doing that, Laura, uh, your mom and you will be speaking at First Baptist Church of Garland, Texas, at a women's ministry uh, winter brunch next Saturday, I believe. Not tomorrow, but next Saturday, correct? Yes, and um, God's Voice is May 6th and 7th. May 6th and, and 7th. And um, I'm also going to be in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, the Twin Cities, this coming Sunday. Wow. Uh I need the name of that church. I've got, <laughs> I've got a lot coming up. I need to I need to put on my website the, the places I'm going to be. So, but, do you have a calendar on your website? No, that's that's something that I need to add. Um, well, let's let's do yeah, this because we're speaking a lot of different places. So, I will try to if people will check back, I will try to get that up pretty soon. But you do often mention on you have two Facebook pages, correct? Yes. Yeah, so you do often mention... more a public page. Okay, so you where you speak can be found on your Facebook page. But Laura, uh, the best way to get a hold of you, uh, other than your website, uh, where would you like to direct people before we let you go? 
Yeah, either Facebook or my website. My website is transgendertotransformed.com. Or also check out the ministry that I work for. It's First Stone Ministries in Oklahoma City. It's firststone.org. Um, First Stone has a lot of resources as well. Yes. And I also highly recommend InHisImage.movie, not only for the movie, but they have a lot of resources and additional um, video clips as well that are so powerful. Thank you for all you do. Say hello to Mr. Black for us. Uh, we'd love to get have him back on the podcast. But God bless you, Laura. We'll talk to you later. Okay, God bless. Bye. All right. All right. When we come back, uh, that article we mentioned earlier, their Drag Queen Story Hour for Children is coming to some churches. It's already in some churches, believe it or not. Plus, a Satanist after-school club for elementary kids. That's right. And a watchdog a warning that the Biden administration is creating a database of those who ask for religious exemption and more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, I'm looking at my calendar. I think we're halfway through January, almost. Tomorrow's the 15th already. So for about two more weeks, we will still honor the uh, January book offer where you can order all four of my books for $35. I think that's $8 and change per book. And I don't make any money from this, but they're in boxes here at the studios. And at home, I've got just moved like six boxes, cases of books. So I'd rather get them out of the boxes into your hands. And I don't care about the money. But um, so get all four. You can email comments at standupforthetruth.com. If you're local, let me know in advance and I'll set four aside for you. You can come in anytime to the Q90FM Stand Up For The Truth studios in Deep Pier, Wisconsin. And the books are Eradicate. Blotting Out God in America, The Cost of Our Silence in 2015. I wrote that one. Redefining Truth, which I think I uh, talked about Laura Perry's story and talked a lot about transgenderism. And the most recent one, Canceling Christianity, which has done very well thanks to you, not thanks to any promotion or media or PR person. But let's get back to these articles now. Drag Queen Story Hour, we started hearing about that. How parents thought it was just all so innocent, right? Well, we know the demonic agenda behind this, so we cannot, in good conscience, call anything like that remotely innocent. Uh, They're just trying to destroy God's design. Um, So this pastor, another one, I just read one, I think, a month ago. But another pastor, now this is in Chicago. Pastor Aaron Musser of St. Luke's Lutheran Church recently dressed in full drag for the Sunday service. Wearing a long white dress. I've got pictures of it right here. What's the uh, source? It's uh, Prophecy News Watch. Prophecynewswatch.com. Full drag for the Sunday service. Long white dress. Golden cross on his chest. A blonde wig. uh, Full makeup. And he uh, led the uh, children's message. And he said this. I have an awesome story to share with you today. I am also a boy most of the time when I'm here. But today I'm a girl. He said this in church from the pulpit. His message, this agenda to indoctrinate vulnerable children with queer theology, as Laura Perry said, it's demonic, it's, it's dangerous, and they're doing this to younger and younger children. Like she said, kids don't think about this stuff until adults that are trying to you know, push some propaganda LGBTQ plus, 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 plus. Then kids start questioning. But before that, they're not thinking about their gender, their sex, or how God made them or anything else. They're just being kids. They're just learning life. This uh, so-called pastor's actions is shocking, but it's a part of a long-established trend of LGBTQ activists that have infiltrated the church. Again, friends, they've been doing it in libraries, public libraries, for years. Can't have a Bible study in a public library, but you can have Drag Queen Story Hour, right? At the uh, forefront of this push has been the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, ELCA. They've taken more steps to promote queer and progressive theology than possibly any other denomination. Last September... It appointed its first openly transgender bishop, the Reverend Megan Rohrer, R-O-H-R-E-R, to lead one of the church's synods, and 
uh, she will have direct leadership over 200 Lutheran congregations. Openly transgender bishop. I'm sorry, guys, that does not align with God's word. This opposes biblical Christianity, and yet it's in our denominations. Rohr was the first transgender person to be ordained by the ELCA in 2006 and now makes, quote, history, the pro-LGBTQ group Extraordinary Lutheran Ministries. I just have to stop there. I'm getting... The temperature of my blood is going up right now. Um... So apparently, according to this group, there are already over 400 queer ministries in the ELCA, um, and they're known for touting being, being inclusive, uh, welcoming, except when it comes to Israel. That's an interesting point and a diversion from God's Word. So anyway, that's over at Prophecy News Watch. Uh, the next article, The Morning Brew, over at Stream. Org, the stream. Al Perota talks about a Satanist after school club. This is Molina, Illinois. <laughs> Are you ready for the weekend? All right. Um, what amazing times. What's happening here is Satanist clubs. Most of you don't remember this, but remember how hugely popular Harry Potter books, the Harry Potter brand, became in the 1990s, late 1990s. Billion-dollar brand. Millions of dollars in movies, in books, in uh, marketing. Well, they ended up teaching Harry Potter and witchcraft in public schools. I kid you not. There were curricula on lesson plans for teachers. uh, It was on the NEA website. They may have scrubbed it. Probably not how to teach witchcraft and Harry Potter, uh, casting spells and things like that. This is not, I'm not making this up, friends. I, I've documented this. You can just look it up if you do the research. But the whole thing behind that, it's, it's, it's not innocent. It is witchcraft. Is it just, quote, entertainment? Christian, Bible-believing Christian, I'll let you answer that question. Is it harmless entertainment? But This is Wicca, W-I-C-C-A, is a religious organization, the Church of Wiccan whatever, international. They've got their own 501c3. It's a nonprofit organization. So they go into schools and they teach kids. So now they found new ways to reach kids. You've heard of the Christian evangelical group, um, good, Good News Clubs. Good News Clubs going to schools after schools voluntarily. Kids can go and attend these clubs. And they just need parents or volunteers to, to lead these Christian clubs after schools. Because schools are uh, public property, right? The government can... Anyway, now the Satanist groups caught on. So these after-school Satanist clubs, Satanist after-school clubs, they're uh, trying to hold their clubs and, and recruit young children. So anyway, what's interesting is that... that this is over at the stream, and the headline is correct, but the story is wrong. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it's a political story. Oh, here we go. I got it. Um, there was a bunch of stories, I guess. and I, um, So it was over in Illinois. Did I say Moline, I think? But anyway, the Satanic Temple wants these kids at this elementary school in Moline. And it's not just one school in the country. Please understand that. Um, they want them to enjoy science projects, puzzles, games, arts and crafts, nature activities, and, of course, to learn about what what a Satan club is, right? And they they were even given a flyer, the school, promoting an after-school Satan club, and there's pictures of it here. So you got to look for that article at the stream. We've gone mad. Uh, Hey, honey, I just gave a bunch of Satanists little Sophie's name, age, and address so she can be indoctrinated into the occult and rebellion against God. Sound good? Oh, Lord, help us. Uh, Okay, this one, I really have to try to squeeze this one in in the last four or five minutes here. Uh, Watchdog Group has warned that the Biden administration is looking to create a database of those who ask for religious exemption. This is not a fiction. This is not something made up. It's not a conspiracy theory, but it is likened to George Orwell's novel 1984 that some obscure federal agency issued a public notice a few days ago 
about a new policy that could mean the U.S. government is preparing to assemble a database containing names of Americans who claim a religious objection to the clot shot, the jab, the COVID-19 vaccine. The Daily Signal is a publication of the Heritage Foundation, reports that it's happening, and it's um, pre-trial services agency for D.C. Anyway, it says the federal agency responsible for gathering information about newly arrested defendants and preparing the recommendations considered by the court is deciding these recent options. So this is interesting. Why, do, why should they care why people object to the experimental gene therapy um, known as the vaccine? P- employees at a job, for example, that make, quote, religious accommodation requests for religious exemption from the federally mandated vaccination requirement. Again, it's this battle between citizen and government. And as I think Andy Wood said Yesterday, government wasn't created to run people or control people. Uh, Government was created to serve people. Now, think about that in light of the power-grabbing, overreaching Biden administration. Government was created to serve the people, not the other way around. We are not the government's servants and subjects. That's constitutional, friends. We've lost sight of that, haven't we? All right, one more thing. i got two minutes left. Uh, This is from Brighteon, great website. (laughs) And now this is going to sound like a conspiracy theory. I'm just putting it out there because it's going to sound like a conspiracy theory. COVID concentration camps now activated in America. Roundups to begin soon. Democrats in Washington state are pushing a bill. This is how things start progressing, friends. Uh, The bill, WAC 246-100, it would authorize, quote, health officers, and in parentheses, Democrat vaccine Gestapo, to kidnap anyone at gunpoint and put them into COVID concentration camps, which have already been activated. The people targeted under this tyrannical rule need not show any signs of sickness or infection to be taken from their homes. You may recall that White House spokesperson Saki openly spoke about, quote, a strike force and these operations last July. We covered it in an article. Uh, White House officially announces vaccine strike forces that will go door to door targeting, quote, anti-vaxxers in their homes, forcing Americans to take the shots. Now, just four months ago, Washington state's government confirmed they were taking COVID concentration camps active by issuing a public job listings for this strike team, for strike team coordinators. So this has been confirmed, Governor Inslee. Some people call him Emperor, like Heidi St. John, who is going to be on the podcast Monday. We'll get an update on Emperor Inslee and this story in Washington State. But we got to wrap it up and uh, just praise God that we are here for such a time as this. Uh, Monday, Heidi St. John, the busy mom, she's running for Congress. Jay Siegert, Starting Point Project on Tuesday. Dr. James Taylor on Wednesday. John Haller and Prophecy Updates on Thursday. Jan Markell joins us live next Friday. The following week, Dr. Jake Jacobs. Natasha Crane's got a brand new book out. She's a great apologist. Nathan Jones, J.B. Hickson, and Gary Ka wraps up the month. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, you can say it with me, keep Speaking the truth about things that matter.